This is the Leapcast, where we talk about how today's current events impact your real life. If you are tired of politics or you are just exhausted from the spin, this show is for you. My name is Andrew Lieb, and every week I host a talk radio show breaking down the news from an independent point of view. We discuss real estate, business, and your health. Hear from the experts and learn the truth on the Leapcast. Personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lieb. Happy birthday. You see, it's my mom's birthday today. And so happy birthday. She tells me that I didn't do the right thing. I didn't have this huge party for her. And I said, it's COVID. Happy birthday. But how many kids sing happy birthday on the radio live on their birthday? I will tell you, Morty. That Lauren's not here right now. His last week, you know, she was born on the 4th of July, was her 40th birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. But she partied like a rock star, and she blames it on our- She had those crazy parties I saw in Bridgehampton with Michael Rubin and Jay-Z. We didn't get invited there, but um, I wish. Um, But she blames it on our son because he's in daycare, and we have- for anyone that doesn't have a daycare child, my son's two, the younger one. The older one didn't get sick, by the way. He's seven in camp. But in daycare, you get a new daycare ailment every single day of the week. And she blames it on that. And don't misunderstand, I have a little cold too, just as my son did. But Lauren's immune system was so down at the moment it happened because she parties like a rock star on her birthday. And not not with Jay-Z, but I want you to know that Jay-Z is probably sitting around listening to the Leapcast being like, I didn't party with Lauren Leap. <laughs> and that makes a lot more sense. So anyway, back-to-back weeks. Last week was my wife's birthday. This week's my mom's birthday. And I'm just trying to celebrate. Celebrate good times. Come on. And so I have to celebrate by what's going on with NAR. Personally, it's something that I like to celebrate um, because I think some of the things they do is cockamamie. National Association of Realtors, you know, the Realtors. And I want you to know, I like real estate brokers and real estate salespersons. And I happen to like local NAR boards. Like I like LIBOR, Long Island Board of Realtors, HGAR, Hudson Gateway Association Realtors. Like there's, there's boards that are good. But some of their policies over at NAR are cockamamie. And you might be saying to me, Morty, how are you so bold to go on the air and just smack talk an entire industry? You know, NAR has 1.4 million members. That's a lot. A lot. And just so we're clear, a lot of you seem to think that when you work with a person to buy or sell a home, a broker, they're a realtor. That's not true. A realtor is just someone who's a member of this club called NAR. In New York State, you'd usually not even be working with a broker. You'd be working with a licensed salesperson. Or an associate broker. You could be working with an associate broker, correct. But generally, the broker is the firm. Like the Corcoran Group is the broker. Douglas Elliman Real Estate is the broker. Coach Realtors is the broker, and they're brokers, but they use the word real interest. 
And so there's all these different companies, but some interesting things happen, particularly on July 1st, about what's going on in the realtor world. And the Bryn Elliott team at Douglas Elliman Real Estate wants you to know what's going on. So they underwrote this segment. They said, hey, let's tell them what's going on. And they're obviously, they're realtors. They're pro-realtors. I'm pro getting information out there because you need to know what's going on. Let's break it back. Let's go back to November 19th, 2020. That's an important date to understand the context of what's going on. A lawsuit's filed in the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C. The lawsuit's called the United States of America Department of Justice Antitrust Division versus the National Association of Realtors. Google could tell you that you don't want to have a lawsuit that starts off with United States of America Department of Justice Antitrust Division. Although I was saying yesterday, the Google founders, if you put their money together, are worth more than Jeff Bezos. Wow. Yeah. So people, like you always hear that Bezos is the richest man in the world. That's because he started the company alone. I thought Musk was now the richest person. He's number two. Number two. Um, so they had they had a list of who, because I don't know if you saw, um, what's, I say his name wrong. The bomber, is that what his name is? The guy that oh, was Microsoft CEO? Steve Ballmer, yeah. Yeah, he reached the $100 billion man club. And they showed the list of the $100 billion man club. What number is Andrew Lieb? Andrew Lieb was on the very good-looking club. It's a different <laughs> club completely. We are completely superficial. We could not care less about money. We care about how nice our clothing looks. I'm fashionably sensitive, but too cool to care. So here's the thing. Although I will tell you, anyone on that club, I'm looking for new parents. <laughs> I would be a really good child of a billionaire. Actually, I shouldn't in, say- In the same segment that you wish your mother a happy birthday. Well, I shouldn't say anyone on the club either because this this silly guy Buffett isn't giving his kids the money. Or Gates. Or Gates. I, so two of you are out. But the other rest of you on this top 10 club, I guess that's the top eight club now, I and you say, but you wish your mom a happy birthday. I'm from- a very blended family world where I have a mother or a stepmother. You know, like I don't see they're mutually exclusive things. I could have two mothers. There's nothing that stops me from having, well, I should say two fathers because I don't know if there were any women on this top 10 list. I would be fine with the women. But I, I say if you're going, go big. Anyway, my point being that Google's getting hit for their um, Android system. They're getting hit for antitrust by the antitrust division of the Department of Justice right now, and the two owners of Google seem to be, together, the richest people in the world. Although I haven't added up the Walmart family in a while. They may still be higher. The Waltons. Walton. Yeah. yeah. The Walmart family, the people that own Walmart. Sam Walton, right? He was the guy that started. Yeah, I think so. If you put all of his heirs together, but I guess that's unfair, too, because you could probably do that with anyone. Like, if you if you went back and you put down the Carnegies together, I wonder how they are. Like, yeah. like I don't know. But anyway, in this case, back in November 19th, NAR gets sued by the antitrust division. The same day that they got sued, the same time that they get sued, is a settlement that is filed. Now, for a settlement to be approved... It has to be approved by the judge. So we were in from November 19th through this July 1st date, which is the second applicable date, in awaiting for approval from the judge. 
NAR sued. I'm going to tell you why they sued. NAR was sued. NAR was sued. NAR didn't sue. NAR was sued because they had adopted a series of rules, policies, and practices governing, among other things, the publication and marketing of real estate, real estate broker commissions, as well as real estate broker access to lockboxes. They've been widely adopted by NAR's members, resulting in a lessening of competition among real estate brokers to the detriment of the American home buyers. So NAR gets sued by the Justice Department, and they had a settlement. And I'm going to tell you about what the four things back in November that NAR was sued by for the Department of Justice. And then I'm going to tell you what happened on July 1st, which is blowing my mind. And I'm quite familiar with this whole thing, Morty, because at Leap School, our New York State licensed real estate school, we have a course called Ethical Business Practices, which covers the NAR Code of Ethics. And part of this is about NAR's policies in the Code of Ethics. So I'm intimately familiar with their Code of Ethics. And I train this stuff because in New York State, the 22 and a half hours for continuing ed don't have to include NAR, but it's kind of anti-competitive if you think about this. NAR members need to get ethics training. And if you don't have your New York State continuing ed ethics class also be approved by a NAR local board, like LIBOR, for example, they have 1,400 local boards, NAR, just so we're on the same page. In all of the 50 states, they have 1,400. So if one of the local boards approves it, they're supposed to all acknowledge it. And if you don't get your continuing ed, which is state license for brokers, associate real estate brokers and salespersons, if you don't get it approved by the NAR board, all the 1.4 million members of NAR won't take your continuing ed and they'll only go to a NAR school, which by the way is the definition of anti-competitive practices. Right. like a monopoly to me. <laughs> under the Sherman Act, which for me, for me is interesting. Why is it interesting to me? Because in the Sherman Act, I don't know if you've seen this before, but in the Sherman Act, if you are going to sue, if you're going to sue, you have a default law that you can sue and recover three times damages and costs and attorney's fees if someone's doing anti-competitive practices. And that's an important thing. Three times damages. So if, for example, my school couldn't get approved by a NAR board. And I got approved by one, but I had a problem with another one. And assuming that, and especially since they're supposed to give credit to each other, and assuming we sued, and assuming we won under the Sherman Act, setting aside the New York State anti-competitive law, which I think is even easier to win on, we could get three times damages plus costs and attorney's fees. That's for a private litigant. But the Department of Justice didn't seek that. In their lawsuit against NAR, they said, we just want to enjoin some behaviors and get costs to the United States. They didn't look for money. Here was the four things they complained about. And you tell me, Morty, if you think these are things worth complaining about. We'll do one at a time. On the MLS, I hope you know the multiple listing service, the core characterized it as a joint venture between brokerage firms. A lot of people like to say to me, they like to say to me, I'm a realtor. And I say, why are you a realtor? And they give me this hogwash about they lobby, they do community service, they create collegial activity. They tell me about how it's a great club. And I always say back to them, that's not why you, you're a realtor. That's like telling me that you go to McDonald's and you're 
at McDonald's and you're not interested in the Big Mac. That's like telling me you go to 7-Eleven and the Slurpee isn't a motivating factor. Yes, 7-Eleven sells all sorts of other things, but they're famous for the Slurpee. Right. The Coke Slurpee. The right? Coke, you know. Yeah. Put a little cherry it's on top. Similar to, to the last segment when we discussed the NCAA in that Supreme Court case that we discussed, the NCAA argued that it was a joint venture between all these universities, so they shouldn't be subject to the Sherman Antitrust Act. So here's what is interesting here, and this might get... Isn't the only reason that anyone really joins an R board, besides you're told by your company you have to do it, to have access to the listings and be able to share in commissions with other companies? That's what MLS does. People think that multiple listing service puts all the listings up. No, no, no. What it also does is it is an agreement between the companies how the listing agent, the person that brings the listing to market, shares their commission with the selling agent. It's a co-broker agreement. The reason to join every MLS without a shadow of a doubt is because if another company has a listing and you want to bring a buyer, the way you're able to share commission is through the MLS system. Otherwise, before the MLS, you had to make private co-broker agreements every time you made a deal with another company. That's, that's nonsense. So here's what they said. Ready? The first thing the NAR policy does, the first thing the NAR policy does that the antitrust division said was wrong was they only let NAR members see what people bringing the buyers, selling agents, which could be brokers' agents or buyers' agents in New York, people who brought the buyers, they only let the brokers, the members, the realtors see the split of commission, not the public. So the public goes on a local MLS. You can go on and you could search, and you wouldn't see the share of commission. But another realtor would see the share of commission. Right, so that will, well, that will affect the negotiations between the seller and the buyer. A hundred percent. If a buyer saw the share of commission, they could go to their agent and say, you're getting 3% on this. You take 2%, give me 1% and I'll make the deal. Okay. Additionally- it's, it's impeding the negotiations. It's completely impeding the negotiations. That's what, not me, Morty, you, you didn't say that. No, I, I didn't, didn't say that. that. The Department of Justice said that. <laughs> and the Department of Justice said, this has to stop. It gets compounded though. Not only is that a rule, but there's another rule that says a realtor can sort the MLS based on how much commissions offered to the person who brings the buyer. And therefore, the realtor could only cherry pick the properties that are going to get them the most percentage as opposed to the best property for their buyer. Taken together, this is two of the four violations. Taken together, the Department of Justice said what's going on here is that you're making it so buyers are not getting the best aspect of the market because you as a company, this joint venture, this MLS, which every brokerage, not everyone, but wants to join for the most part. Why do they want to join it for the most part? So they can get average to access to splits. What you guys are doing is you're making it so people are looking not to compete and get the best service, but just to have a locked-in monopoly, which we acknowledge you have, NAR. Oh, and there's a third one that goes with this. A NAR policy, a NAR policy says that 
selling agents, people who bring the buyers, which in New York are buyers agents or brokers agents, can say their services are free. And to a buyer directly, it is free because they're not paying. Right, the seller's paying. But how is the seller getting the money? They're getting it from the check from the buyer. The check from the buyer goes to the seller. The seller's check then goes to the person that got the listing and to the person who brought the buyer. So there's nothing free about it. If it was really free, listings would be down 2 to 3%. If you think about it. These three- and Somebody's a, paying for it. Someone's paying for it. These three policies, they said, were anti-competitive because they didn't make people compete to give the best services. Instead, what they did is they locked in brokerage to have a cabal to do whatever they want to do. And the fourth one, Morty, a little sidetracked. You know what a lockbox is? Yeah, it's uh, it's where you keep the keys for the houses. And traditionally, these had like keys, as you said, or combinations. And they even acknowledged, which I thought was pretty cool, that they were this modern. But they said some of these lockboxes are Bluetooth now. Right, we're not talking about Al Gore's lockbox. Yeah. <laughs> so they said, NAR policy says only other NAR members can have access to the lockbox. Which made it so if you didn't work with a NAR agent, your agent couldn't get to the lockbox. So wouldn't it 1.4 million NAR members push out anyone who didn't want to join the club? You said when we were going on the segment, when we were prepping for this in the studio, you said, isn't this anti-competitive to other salespersons and brokers and associate real estate brokers? And I said, yes, but it's really about the buyers and sellers. But you're right. It's about other salesperson, associate real estate brokers and brokers who didn't join Menar. Really? How, how are they going to get business if they don't join NAR? It's, it's kicking them out. It's pushing it out. So what happened is Trump's White House, Trump's Department of Justice, and I, I'm careful in saying that I'm happy to call the Department of Justice Trump's Department of Justice, <laughs> because when Bill Barr was the attorney general, it was integral part of the executive branch through Trump. Now, I will say Merrick Garland has made a very big point, whether it's true or not, like I don't, I'm not privy to his communications with Joe Biden, but they publicly have been making a very big point that Biden's not involved in the Department of Justice. We can only talk publicly. They could be liar, liar, pants on fire for all we know. Merrick Garland could be doing, I don't know. Joe Biden hasn't invited me for dinner. And I want to point out that when we did our list of billionaires who could adopt me, I'm not against the president adopting me. How about Hunter Biden? He seems to have a lot more money. I don't think that I want him to adopt me. Even though he has enough money, he's not a billionaire. And I wasn't trying to get invited, by, adopted by Joe to get money. Although, not a bad idea. I was trying to do it because, have you heard what the White House chefs can cook? I've, I've read about it. It sounds amazing to yeah. me. Like, I just want to have dinner there. So, Garland's Department of Justice tried to renegotiate the terms of this deal. They said, yeah, we gave you a proposed settlement, NAR, the day that we filed this lawsuit, back in November 19th, 2020. We gave you a proposed settlement. And you were going to stop doing these four things that we just discussed. You were going to put it on your website, a copy of this agreement, a link to it. You were going to have a compliance officer speak to the whole board of NAR, all the managers, make sure that they all knew about the policy and certify to the United States that you're doing it the right way. You were going to implement all these things. 
But we found that there's other things you're doing that are anti-competitive practices too. And we want to add to our agreement. And apparently NAR said, heck no. NAR said, you know what? You know what? We already made a deal. We made a deal in good faith. Why should we renegotiate? The part I don't really understand about the Department of Justice's position is I did read the settlement and paragraph 11, X1, of the proposed final judgment reserves the rights of the United States to investigate and bring actions to prevent or restrain violations of the antitrust laws concerning any rule, policy, or practice adopted or enforced by NAR or any of its member boards, and then nothing in the final judgment shall limit those rights. So the way I read it is they could have brought a subsequent lawsuit anyway, but they're saying they couldn't bring a subsequent lawsuit. So what NAR did, Morty, is they said, we want to have the deal the way it is. The DOJ did this. They backed out of the settlement. They withdrew the lawsuit. And now the DOJ under Garland is fully investigating NAR, which is a big problem for NAR because NAR has all sorts of other antitrust lawsuits about buyer broker commissions, pocket listings. In fact, in 2008, there was a DOJ lawsuit about blocking web listings. So here's my take for everyone. We're going to see a major change on multiple listing services. You might disconnect multiple listing services from NAR, but they're one and the same. This is ripe ground for a disruption to happen. We always say on the Leapcast, we always say this, that disruption doesn't just happen for innovators, brilliant people that can change the world like the Mark Zuckerbergs, Sergey Brin. It doesn't just happen with Elon Musk. You don't have to be such a wild stallion to change the world. All you have to do is pay attention to the law. And every time a new statute, regulation, case, a case like this happens, the disruption gives an opportunity for entrepreneurs to capitalize. I wonder what the brokerages, the new boards, the new clubs are going to do to capitalize because what we're going to see is a more transparent market going forward. I am super excited, Morty. I am super excited to see the new MLS. How about you? I'm also very excited. Have a great week. This is the Leapcast. Find us on social media at Listen to Leap or visit listentoleap.com. 